guest with me again you know back on episode four right back then i had trevor thornton my drummer for q phil he came in and it was great fun so i thought why don't we have for episode 12 uh, a guest so i asked my poor man he said no i asked my gardener he said no i asked a lot of neighbors they all went no way so i thought well who else uh, what about mike rodriguez and he said absolutely the only thing I had to do was provide a bowl of grapes. That was what I had to pay to get Mike Rodriguez in. It seems that a bowl of grapes and he'll do anything. And there he is, Mike Rodriguez. A bowl of grapes will attract him uh, into a studio. I'm very lucky to have Mike with me because he is my musical brother. Mike has been with me since the days of In the House of Stone and Light. In fact, he was there at uh, right at the beginning of that album um, when I toured it as well. And when we met up at that time, we became great friends. And Mike developed uh, all my studios from that period on, moving me from analog into all the new technologies and now into the frontline digital world. Um, Mike is a renaissance man. He touches everything from music to photography to films to art, everything. And he's been close to me through all the last, probably I should say the last 20 years of all my solo albums. So I'm very, very grateful to have uh, my grapes here and to have Mike as well. And I'm going to tell you a bit more about his career. But first, um, hello, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Am I naked or something? What are you laughing oh, at? <laughs> it's just it's just strange, isn't it? Really entertaining to see you go through all these steps on the podcast. Well, I'm just trying to make you feel like I'm a professional because usually you're the professional. I, I know. It's just so weird being on the other side. Yes, it's t- totally the other side here. <laughs> Let me just give a brief history of my very, very good friend. I would like to call him my brother, actually. Mike, as I said, runs that great audio nowcast show. He was a CEO at Westwave Audio, audio mixer at Trailer Park. In fact, you won a big award there, the Clio Award, right? Yeah, I did. I won a Clio Award, a gold Clio. Now, what is a Clio Award? It's like the advertising Oscars. Wow, that's big time. It was for some sound design that I did. That's brilliant. And then you were also working at, I think I met you, you were working at CCI Digital as well, early days, right? Yeah, that was the, the early days. So, Mike, you've been doing all this wonderful TV work, 260 TV films, DVD commercials, 21 HBO television specials. <laughs> my God, how did I get you into my studio today? <laughs> That's uh, a hell of a career. Tell me a bit about it. Uh, well, <clears throat> actually, I uh, it, it kind of paralleled after I decided to go off the road. Really, working with you was probably the last major tour that I did. That probably ended your career, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happened. <laughs> no, I had been wanting to get off the road, and yeah. so um, I've made a transition into uh, the sound field because I've always been up with Pro Tools and technology at the time. And then I uh, <clears throat> I started off as a sound editor, and then I uh, worked my way up to like a dialogue supervisor, and um, had some success there. And then went into mixing, and then you're a renaissance man. Just That's what mixed that is. and you know film, TV, post production, and that's how it happened. And when I met you. Um it was a House of Stone and Light tour, right? Right yep. at the beginning. House of Stone and Light tour. That was. It you was, have to remind me. How did we actually get together? How did all this? So, happen? I got a call from. I was working with Stevie Wonder at the time, mm. and uh, Kevin. Oh, that was a big drop. <laughs> Come to me. That was a big drop, mate. <laughs> That's where the decline started. Well, I think on my podcast I've told this story, but I'll tell it. But I'll tell it on on this one. When I first met you, um, we I. My friend Kevin said, um, yeah, Martin Page um, needs a keyboard guy because um, he wants to do some um, comping and, and setting up some of the sequences and setting up your gear and stuff like that. And we were putting together a road rack. I think that's what I was happening. That's right. Yeah. So 
I go, yeah, Martin Page. Yeah, sure. You know, who the hell is he? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the gold. You never turn down a gig, so it's like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And he, and he was actually supposed to go on the on the road with you. Uh, he was oh. actually, but he couldn't do it um, because of uh, of other commitments. So um, he gave me the uh, the number and how lucky and, I was. And then I talked yeah. to I, I think I talked to Diane first or yeah my manager it, yeah you know. your manager because I don't think you had a production guy at that time no I can now now you brought back the memories because I was um, getting House of Stonelight tour ready and uh, I know that you came to my studio here actually in the uh, in yep. the garage there and we were playing all the sequences and uh, you were going to be doing all the all the key teching and actually uh, it was my first major tour so you really had to take over everything there yeah you 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 know you had a guy who was helping you trans, you know, get everything ready on yep. the you know, the with the sampling and all that stuff. But then you needed somebody to to actually build the racks and to take care and run all yeah. the racks and yeah. everything. And yeah. that's where I came in. So I worked on your stuff. I we played all the stuff. And the thing that really struck out was how fast um, we bonded. Yeah, we did. I mean, I worked with a lot of artists and. And some artists, you, you keep it at arm's distance. Some of is the employer-employee relationship, you know. It's not like I was Stevie Wonder's best friend or anything. You yeah, know, it's yeah. even though I, I worked I know what you mean, on his yeah. stuff. There's, yeah. But we became friends, like, really fast. Like, I remember at the end yeah. of the day, I was like, I can't wait to go there tomorrow. It was just, it was like hanging out with friends. I think it's the grapes. I had grapes back then as well. <laughs> Mike's going to stay with me right through the hour while I play music from my vault and from my archives. That's what this show is about, songs from my career. It's a retro show. And I'm going to play you a song that's never been heard before. Thank you, Mike, for eating the grapes while I play this song. It's a song called My Goodnight Girl, a demo from the vaults that's never been recorded, never been heard before. So here we go, My Goodnight Girl. Can you hear me whisper these words? I love 
Lovely to be playing a rare demo here with my good friend, Mike Rodriguez. That's a rare song called, um, from my vault, uh, My Goodnight Girl. I think I recorded that back in the 90s. I just dipped my hand into a big suitcase here on the floor, and I'm sure Mike was wondering, what the hell's he doing with that suitcase? And I pulled out this song, and I thought, My Goodnight Girl, I think it's a good time to play it. So... Jumping back to Mr. Rodriguez sat with me here and nearly, not all of them, but a lot of the grapes are gone. <laughs> you know, I just want to mention, though, before you came to me, people should know that you were actually doing, um, you're a drum and drum and keyboard tech for Natalie Cole, as well as Stevie Wonder, Striper, Al Jarreau, Teddy Riley. Mm. But it must be the high, high point of your career to actually work with me. No, you've gone very quiet, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, it was, as a matter of fact. It's, it was so high that I, I I left the biz shortly after you two were. Um, anyway, I've got some questions here written down, and I'm determined to get them out. Um, so uh, here's the first one. What brought you, Mike, to music? What brought, what made you choose music as a career? Wow, that's a, that's a, I think the thing that brought me to music was how important music always has been on an emotional level. I'm a pretty emotional guy. Yeah. And, uh, and when they say music is a soundtrack for your, your life, it's so true. But what's interesting for me is I, what really reverberates is sound, mm -hmm. um, more so than lyrics. Mm -hmm. I can hear a song and... I can get emotional on the sound, and I won't remember any lyrics. I don't know. They say name. that about men, though. They say, in general, men care about the music. Women are more lyric-oriented, yeah. you know? And, and um, you know, there's, there's especially at a very young age, <clears throat> I found myself listening into a mix. I used to like to listen to um, a lot of music, CDs and cassettes and stuff with headphones on because I could I could hear into a mix. Yeah, so I, yeah. So I can hear like the drums separate from the guitar, separate from the, yeah. the keyboards. And keyboards were always like when synthesizers were coming out, yeah. where MIDI was coming out. Like I got my career. I literally started my career because I did two things. I read magazines, music magazines, mm. and then I went to Guitar Center. Wow. I um, went to Guitar Center and I would pretend like I had money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really would, yeah. and and I'd get the guys to come out and they would you know demo all the gears and Brilliant. and so I was playing all this stuff and then I remember I would literally pull my wallet out and pretend like <laughs> oh I, was, I was left the credit card at <laughs> home yeah pretend like I was going to do it and I said you know what oh, this is just a lot of money and then I'd walk but I and then I went to the Nam show I I, I worked at a music store. Um, and I made some connections so that even when I no longer worked there, I could still go to an amp show and play all the gear. And so that's what got me into music. It's it's emotional. Yeah. Like sometimes, you know, I started off as a drum tech and then I went to keyboard tech. And so I had to teach myself how to play the keyboards because you don't want to be in a big stadium or a big arena. Mm -hmm. And they're going, you know, you're doing a line check. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you yeah, can't yeah. play a chord. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> you sound like, you know, chopsticks is just not going to make it in a big arena. So I, I taught myself how to how to play the piano. And, and I'd always been a, a dinker on the piano, but I, how, to make it sound real so that I could do real sound checks. And, well, you um, know, I've got to jump in here because on our House of Stone and Light tour, when you and I first met, Mike actually became so important to the whole tour that when we went into went to Europe, went to Germany, we sent Mike over a good two weeks ahead of time to check out where we were going to rehearse, um, what the gigs were going to be like. And so in, in a lot of ways, Mike, you were... And, I, and you were on stage with us as well, weren't you? Yeah. Because you were controlling... I think uh, this is more technical than I remember, but you were con you, the, the click track was being played to the drummer that was controlled by you and various samples yeah. background samples did all the sequences yeah, yeah did yeah. all the mix of the vocals and played some some side stage keys a couple couple That's right. chords and notes uh, i think uh, you saved our necks on the road a million times mike i think it's time to play some music and we're going to go back to the 80s and play a song called the burn i wrote this with bernie Taupin. um it was recorded by starship on their album love among the cannibals 1989 here it is the demo of the burn
1989. Yes, Big Hair, MTV and all those rock bands. And I was writing songs like this with uh, Bernie Taupin. It was a lead-off uh, song for Starship on an album called Love Among the Cannibals. And uh, that's a 16-track demo. And I was helped out by Tommy Funderburg, brilliantly, uh, brilliant high singer. Uh, blew the roof off of houses with his uh, high notes. Um, I can't believe I actually sang the lead on that demo even because um, you'd have to have extremely tight trousers. <laughs> and those tight trousers would have been flares, of course. And, of course, they would have been god-awful colours because it was the 80s. I'm very grateful to have Mike Rodriguez with me here and there's a couple of grapes still left. They were both looking at them thinking... Who's going to eat those last grapes? Anyway, I'm going to take us both, me and Mike, back to a time when we were gigging together and one of the gigs uh, was precariously about to go totally wrong. I walked on the stage and the PA did not work in front of uh, thousands, shall we say thousands? Yes, I think it was thousands of people. And that was one of my nightmares as a singer, that you stand there and the PA doesn't work and you're just mouthing nothing. So there I was, uh, mouthing nothing, and Mike had control of all the computers, the control of the band and everything, and the power had gone down. And so I was telling jokes and nobody was laughing. I was looking over my shoulder at Mike going, when, when, when is the power going to be on and how long is it going to take, when? And Mike was going, no, five more seconds, no, ten more seconds. (laughs) Can you remember that? That was just one of, of the many, like... That's what's so great about the road is you just never know what's going to happen. Ugh. And even though, like, you were kind of freaking out and looking I at me. I certainly was. Um, Do something, Mike! I, I, You know, you can only load stuff as fast as you can load stuff. And yeah, you can yeah. always get everything up and running. But no, I remember that. But I think you did a good job. You, you, we well, had it was the, once, the one PA. time I was singing one song called Keeper of the Flame. And we had background vocals already triggered or something. Or, yeah. And uh, I totally forgot the arrangement of the song. And you had to, on the spot, change the um, sequence sequencing of that song right yeah, yeah well exactly because, how embarrassing especially on that one because um and the thing about that time is i remember we were playing the song everything was going good you took a left turn the band followed you yeah that's right? Right. it was flawless the band followed you they were so that's good right. mm. and then but then you remembered that you made a mistake and i remember <laughs> you looking back at me like like this you wanted to say you know what about the vocals but you're singing so you can't so i just you had this concerned look and i knew exactly what that concerned yeah. look was and i was and i was like i gave you a thumbs up because i well this is the thing I, that you did stuff and yeah that, I, this is the thing between you and me on stage we did have a, a, an incredible bond <gasps> didn't we that's the see one of the benefits about like we were really like best friends before yeah. we that even happened because of just the amount of time that we did um it was really cool to develop um we had this like unspoken language yes. like i could read you so well at the beginning of the tour which was really funny you would literally turn around and look at me and they're like okay i'll start it now because I, <laughs> I i was in charge of starting and stopping all the songs but towards the end of the tour towards the end of working together yeah, you, you knew. You knew. I me. just knew yeah. off. Like you flicked your head, and I knew exactly when to start That's and true. stop. Just off, just off the vibe of you talking, and then you giving me that little that little flip that you did, and then it was that's just very so, true. That's that's the fun part when you when you tour and you create those bonds and you know each other so well that you just know what's going to happen. So obviously, when the show went south, and I knew exactly since I knew the music so well, I knew exactly what happened. It's like, okay, and, and I knew how to react. You certainly did, and uh, you were with me, Mike, right back um, I think you can remember this, 2008 when I recorded a song called uh, Where the Sun is Buried. It was on my album In the Temple of the Muse, my second solo album, and here it is. <laughs> Where the sun is buried 
is hidden beneath some heavy stones, beneath my broken bones. And I think I know where the sun is buried. It's in my own backyard, in a garden overgrown and scarred. In my own heart, yeah. And I'll always remember a blood-stained flower. In the hands of a child in Sarajevo, and I wanna know where the sun is buried, and I wanna know where the light is hidden beneath some heavy stones, beneath my broken bones. I think I know. In a garden overgrown and scarred, in my own heart, yeah. song called Where the Sun is Buried, the last track on uh, my second solo album, In the Temple of the Muse. And Mike was, uh, at that point, um, urging me to make another album after In the House of Stone and Light. The wonderful guitar playing you can hear on that track is by the great, great, great Canadian guitarist, Mr. Bill Dillon. So, uh, there's still two grapes there. We're still looking at them. Who's going to go for it? We'll wait and see. So let me ask you, Mike, um, uh, the tales of the road. Uh, You've worked with so many people, not just me, um, and I'd like to know a little bit more about what it's like to be like a pirate out there on the road. I was going to ask you, I mean, you've with with artists like um, Al Jarreau and Stevie Wonder and Teddy Riley, I mean, with Teddy Riley, didn't you have to carry a gun or something? <laughs> Didn't you become a gang member one oh time? Oh my gosh, that was uh, I was with Teddy when he was with the band Guy, and yes, that was really there was a lot of guns around in that. As oh. a matter of fact, I found out I got that gig because the guy who was the keyboard tech before me, yeah, died. Oh my god, he got shot. You're joking? No, and I found this out when I was on the road. And you took the job. <laughs> I didn't know oh my until I was on the road. Wow! But I think that's because and like. When they hired the new, when they hired the crew, we weren't like we were 
we came from a different part. We weren't just right, you know right. um, part of the entourage. Scary. Or we yeah. we came in, and then it was way more technical. When I got involved with his show, I redid. I my thing when I was touring is I was a specialty at giant big MIDI systems, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about that's right working yeah. with you know 100 channels and and different you know the big synopsis where you had 24 in 24 out and you had mm-hmm. like three of those and that's what we did for Stevie Wonder and I I actually designed his last big rack wow. that he toured with because after that then digital came in and then Pro Tools and then you would fake it yeah. but back in the day when you had all those modules that was kind of my thing so I redid Teddy Riley's touring rack and 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 I it was ridiculous the way they the size of it was and I just made it really more efficient yeah but um uh, yeah, I could kind of specialize. I knew MIDI really well, still do. Um, yeah. And that was kind of my thing. And so we elevated his his whole his whole situation. But I'll tell you a quick story with Teddy Riley. The most... Um, you survived. Well, yeah. The most pressure I ever had was um, he gave me all the songs that they do, and it was in one format, and I had to change it to another format. It started on Atari ST, and I had to change it over to a Mac, right? Oof. And so I literally had to, at that time, um, the standard MIDI file format didn't transfer everything that I needed to transfer over. So I, I literally had to take one computer, plug it into another computer, sync them up and hit play and record oh, and record new sequences. So at first, when it came over... You good, know, jo- good job you are a drummer as well. Oh my gosh. It, yeah. The scariest thing was the very first playback from Teddy Riley. He comes into the studio and, and I hit the song and the MIDI channels are all over and stuff is just firing that's supposed not supposed to be firing. Because I didn't really know what the sequences sounded like in the first place. Right, 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 I didn't know right. the old version, right. so I didn't know what was happening on the new version. And so um, he comes in and I'll never forget, he was there for literally about <laughs> two minutes of one song. And then he walks outside and then he sends in his engineer and he goes, Teddy says, you better get your boop together or you're going home. What a nice man. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. Yes. If that doesn't put pressure on you, what does? You know what I mean? And so I literally stayed up all night. I had to listen to all the songs. I had to, you know, because it wasn't straight. Nothing like pressure, eh? And, and oh my gosh, that was so much. But, you know, those are the kind of situations that you survive. I'd rather you than me. <laughs> Rather you than me. Um, I'm going to play some more music now. I think it's the right time. This is a track that Mike, actually, when he heard the rough of it, encouraged me a long time ago to say, you've got to finish that. I think it's going to be a bit of a surprise for him, too, to hear this. Um, I wrote this for the uh, 1998 uh, World Cup uh, finals in France. I was asked by publishers to have a go at it and i thought well i'll go to my grave happy if i write a world cup theme because i'm a soccer fanatic and uh, when i was building the track mike heard it uh, early on so it might be fun for him to hear it as well um it's a song called world at play uh, the beautiful game in brackets a victory for all you mad soccer players like me out there we 
And there we are, my attempt at the 1998 World Cup theme, a song called World at Play, The Beautiful Game. And that's Mr. Jack Hughes playing the guitar on this demo. Um, yeah, he stopped by for a cup of tea and I said, do you want to play guitar just for a cup of tea, free? And he said, yes. Uh, and he played that African kind of French guitar. And I was lucky because I don't think Jack Hughes from Wang Chung is really into soccer or football, but uh, as a favour... Uh, for a cup of tea, he did it. Hey, Mikey, uh, on the road with me, what was the most pressurised moment? The yeah. biggest moment, like, the, the, the biggest moment was with the most pressure I felt on yours is when we were the biggest show that you were going to do at the House of Blues. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the, 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 it was great. It was one of the last gigs we did on the tour. And Earth, Wind & Fire had come, lovely guys, Maurice White and Verdine White, they'd all come to see yeah. me there. And, and, of course, this meant for me, my mentor was up in the audience and it was a packed crowd. And uh, I'll let Mike tell the story, but I think he was dealing with a very nervous Martin Page for technical reasons. Yeah, so during, during Soundcheck, Martin... The MPC, which is a drum machine, which we use live. It's as a well. drum machine. It was a drum machine sequencer, and it it literally controlled everything. It controlled everything. Mm -hmm. uh, without that machine, there was no there was no show. I wouldn't be able to get up in the morning without and, the machine. Yeah. And it. Died. All our sequences were with that as well. Yeah. And so although we had live drums, they were uh, Moist Lucas was playing yeah. around the the actual programming from the actual album recording. Exactly, yeah. and it was all done on MPC. And you know, the MPC had a really great feel. It had a, yeah. a great feel, and it died. It mm. like literally died. And so now it's like okay, at that time because of budgetary constraints, we didn't, um, we weren't set up for an instantaneously transfer. So a it's swap, not, yeah. it's not like I could. Like on, like for instance, on some of the bigger tours that I want, if anything goes wrong, I literally could turn a dial and boom, everything goes to a second set. But we weren't like that, and we were fighting against time. And I'll never forget having to like we rented another MPC. We went, yeah, guitar center was down the road. Yeah, and, and I was going to my what, what, what's going on? What, yeah. what, 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 where, where's the drum machine? Yeah, and you were saying don't panic, don't panic. We'll get another one. Didn't yeah. we get another one? And that didn't work. We did. Well? We did. We got, well, we got another one, and and that's actually the one that we actually got up and running. I had to transfer uh. all the sequences over and, and put it back put it in because all it, it was just a it was just a, there a i am with all the groupies and all the girls and all the drugs <laughs> enjoying myself getting ready you know and then mike has to be working to the uh, very very last minute uh, on technical it problems. was and you were and the thing with you martin and i'm gonna let this out of the bag is you are a warrior like oh, on yes, the road of course and and so i didn't want you to worry so i'm like I'm like, yeah, it's going to be great. Nothing and, can stop me by and, in, and inside, I was like, <laughs> I don't know how we're going to survive on this I one. I know. I was trying to be calm. And I'm thinking, Mike is taking this too easy. This is such an important moment in my career. Yeah, I thought you were almost getting upset that I wasn't getting. No, no, no. I just thought like, you know, we've, we've had such a great tour. And because Earth, Wind & Fire were there in the audience, I thought I really. And it was my hometown. I hadn't played many gigs in L.A. No, I say I that. So, But you did pull it out of the fire as you always. You were very. I mean, although I might have shown like, oh, my God, we're going. We're running into a, a disaster here. You're always like, no, it's going to be fine. Well, no problem. You know, Don't worry, Paige. You will be okay. That's what's going to, that as a tech, or really, when you, whenever you're in a support role, yeah. that's what's going to get you your next gig is if, if people have confidence in you. Yeah. And so I always wanted to instill confidence. But I fired you after that. Gig. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was the last time to, I saw you. I always wanted to instill instill confidence i'll tell you one and you thing. did actually i mean it did it, it did work because i'm thinking about so many things about the right. performance but i thought no it's good if mike says it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay and you used to say to me it's time for you to upgrade to digital and i go mm, i'm not sure about that remember that mike and uh, uh the first song i ever recorded on a pro tools uh, session was this song i'm gonna play it to you now it's called you alone are real to me and it was featured on my uh, love album called the slender sadness this is when mike said it's time for you to get into the digital world here is the first result of that you alone are real to me Everything I see or try 
I went into the digital domain um, with the guidance of my good friend Mike Rodriguez who's here with me now but he's just staring like a madman at the last two grapes on the plate we're going to fight for those um, that was a song that uh, went on to my Slender Sadness uh, love song album uh, we were having a natter while that song was playing and you know um, we're talking about the House of Stone and Light tour and it was it was a, a, a great tour um, what was the worst moment in my uh, national tour. What was the best moment? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, don't hold back. Do not uh, hold back. All right. I think. I think one of the best. Mo- There's so many great moments in that tour. I mean, we just had we so had a lot of laughs. Didn't we, we had so much fun on the tour bus, and we were just we were a good team. We were a great team. Um, but I think one, two things, two things kind of really stick out. Um, I was touring before then. I was on a lot of R&B tours. I was on heavy metal tours. I was in rock tours. And and I, I remember after a gig in Mississippi. No, no, no. After a gig in St. Louis at Mississippi Flood Flats or something like that, there was a club. There was a club in, in St. Louis. Uh-huh. And it was towards the beginning of the tour. And we finished playing. And uh, 
<laughs> we finished playing. I hope this isn't going to be embarrassing. No, 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 it's not. I'm getting, uh, I'm getting nervous again. No, 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 no. It, we finished playing and we were deciding, you know, everything was packed up and we we're saying, hey, where are we going to go? And we decided to go out with a bunch of your fans to, uh-huh. have, to have dinner. I don't know if you remember We had this. some, did we? Yeah. <laughs> On that we had show. a couple. Oh, okay. <laughs> Two or three. All right. So we, one of the fans says, oh, yeah, hey, there's this really great spot, the restaurant, because we were starving. So we all yeah. start walking. And, and we're walking down. And it's, it's a crowd. There's probably like 14 of us. You know, there's probably a dozen people. And I remember going in, and we sat down. And I remember sitting down next to you. And then I remember looking at the table, and it was all of these women, all of there was not. What's bad guys. about that? It's no, brilliant. I'm just saying. Brilliant. For me, it was like, <laughs> man, this is what a, this is what an AC god gets. <laughs> yes, how old? How old were the women? Were they nurses? Were they nurses? At no, all? they were just. They were, you know, yeah. they're attractive. That, that, they're, that's but the, it was just a whole different. Uh, this isn't the bad them. part of the tour, right? That's a good part. No, that was. I just thought that was so different and so crazy uh, and good. Yeah, no, right. it was good. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I thought he was going to say that's the worst part of the tour. I thought, wow. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was just just realizing it was just a different crowd, yeah, yeah, and it yeah. was it was actually yeah. kind of fun. It's like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. I was not used to that, and and. Yeah. But I and think, there was conversations that went on as well. People were actually actually what was brilliant, I think, about that is people were very interested in the material and the no, songs. No, they really were. Well. There was it was yeah. it was definitely not like I don't know. You know, you go on an R and B tour. Yeah, we're not get, knocking it, but get, it's a different thing altogether. Yeah, you get yeah. you know yeah, people yeah. on the bus, crazy stuff. It's just yeah. But this was just it was just it was just. Amazing. We were a very organized English crew yeah. there. We're all very d- disciplined. But what was? <laughs> as we get a, get a drum roll here. The, um, what was the worst? The worst of, of my tour. I I think the worst is when you. Uh, well, you know, we talked about the, some of the worst moments already, like the save at, yeah. you know, Keeper of the Fire. I, I, I have to bring up that, that was... we were playing in uh, Nuremberg in Germany. Remember? Oh, 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 yes. oh, oh. Remember that? Yes. I thought, yes. yes. No, no, no. That, this, this, is, this is, okay, the, by far the worst moment is when I thought you were going to get killed on stage. Yes. Um, and me. I thought it was a bad moment, yeah. too. We were in Nuremberg. It started raining. We had all those racks. I had so much plastic that of I had Of course, it's an outside gig. It's a, it's a race course, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's outside, and yeah. it started storming, like thick yeah. rain. And I was literally concerned for you because... We had we had the mics out there. You had the yeah. you had you were cabled up. Yeah. You weren't even wireless over there because no, in that's right. Germany we couldn't use our wireless system. That's right. Yeah. So you were all cabled up and all this water and it was it was it was scary. scary. Yeah. It was really really scary. It was scary for the racks and I had to go around and just for everybody. It was a it lot was a, of pressure. It was a really really bad storm. I remember that and I can remember thinking how. Um, this is so unlucky for us because we went on stage. It was being filmed by MTV and, and we were a big promoter in Germany. It brought us across um, thinking I might be the next Phil Collins um, and all. And this storm hit right at the beginning of the show and all the crowd that was in front of us because it um, moved a- away from us to get shelter, all moved away. So uh, all this crowd, sort of, it was like playing a song and everybody going like, oh, no, not worth staying here, let's clear off. And they all vanished, and I thought, oh, my God, this is awful. And they're, f- they're filming this, you know. And then I made this statement, which was pretty amazing. I said, um, oh, all we need is we want to do, we want the sun to come out when we play this song, Keeper of the Flame. And by God, yeah. the sun came out, and everybody cheered and clapped uh, is a, I was a bit like a god. I pointed at the sky, and the sun came out. Didn't I? I thought I'm very lucky here, and the crowd came back, and we won them over. It was wonderful. Oh, it was. And let me just tell you, the band. I'll never forget Neil. He was on fire. Mm-hmm. His guitar solos were so. It was yeah. almost like that's he, Neil Taylor, he, who used to play with Tears for Fears, and and Robbie Williams. Yeah, he was. Mm. He got like almost aggressive like Possessed, because yeah. it's like yeah. all right the the rain's coming down and it's soaking yep. wet and everything and he just goes out there and it was probably i would say that's probably the best set that you guys ever played yeah it was it was, uh, it was it the was most really worrying good. most nervous starting because um we felt very unlucky that we had a st- hurricane coming into our face but it was a great set and i know that pe- the um promoter for the german uh, tour came up to us after and said that was an out and we got voted actually the most promising band by europe mtv at that point uh, i think promising
amazing band for able to play through storms. <laughs> Very good when they're covered in rain. Now, Mike has been involved for a long time in that wonderful podcast. Hopefully you all know about that and have listened to it. It's a great show called Audio Nowcast. Um, but he's also recently been involved in the thing called Spaces, which is a, a pretty amazing little show. I'll let him tell you all about it. Three years ago, um, I met... Um, my producing partner at the time, um, Bliss McGinnis, she, um, we were working on some projects together, and I said I had this this great project idea called Spaces. It's for you know you can go um, go to places where audio is made, played, or listened to, and um, she some liked, of the best studios in the world. Yeah, she liked the idea, and mm. and so what ended up happening is we started filming before then she helped on episode one which we went to dave smith and i did a quick interview we we're just trying to find our way and dave smith and is the uh, sequential circuits dave smith instruments great synthesizers yeah. profits and, and then uh it just kind of grew uh i ended up going and producing an episode on um recording an episode in thailand you mm. know my friend was doing a, a sound effects library so we document that and i went out there and with uh, some of the elephants sh- some of the yeah that's amazing yeah. That, that, and i saw some of that that was incredible are, are any of these out at the moment some of the yeah we we uh probably by the time this comes out there's going to be at least six episodes up brilliant we, we shot i took a year off after i got laid off and it's an episode that's brave to a- do that. episode number yeah. four when we got some sponsorships um and we traveled all the ro- around the world um going to some great studios i mean what, some what, great studios yeah yeah and you went to um mark Knopfler's studio right dire straits in london right um how was that studio oh my gosh british Grove studios is, that's going to come in our um our england episode that studio gave me one of the biggest vibe i've ever had in my life and mm. that was listening into their big neve 96 channel neve console i got to listen to the 5-1 mix of money for nothing wow in that room oh my goodness. that was incredible i went to um Rockfield Studios, where Woo. Bohemian Rhapsody was recorded. Is that in Wales? That's in Wales. Yeah, yeah. I drove out there. That. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see this series. I mean, every, I, I urge everybody to watch this because if you're at all into uh, studios like I am, I live in them, um, what Mike's been filming is really exceptional. Uh, time for music, I think. I want to play you a song from uh, an album of mine this year called Fugitive Pieces. It's the opening track, and it's uh, Mike has told me uh, before that he feels like this is one of the, his favorite songs that I've ever written. So um, here it is, When I Look For You. When I look for you I know just where you'll be When I look for you You'll be standing right beside me And I know just what you'd wear And I know just what you'd say Something right and true When I come looking for you And I know you had to leave And that's the way it's gotta be And I know there are some things We can never change When I look for you Yeah, I know just where to look Know just where you stand Right beside me And I know just what you'd wear And I know what you'd say Something right and true When I come looking for you And I thought you left a little early And I must admit my head sometimes goes down It seems like winter's always around my soul 
from uh, an album of mine um, called Fugitive Pieces, a very, very intimate and very un- very different, unusual kind of record for me. And Mike has uh, made me aware that that's one of his uh, favourite tracks of mine, so thank you, Mike. Um, I'd like to make everybody aware of something that uh, Mike's been working on, a very, very special project close to his heart, a project called uh, medals. Yeah, medals is a. Is and please a, tell everybody how wonderful that is. Well, medals is a documentary um, on sports and special needs kids because my son is autistic, and I've been filming the same group of kids for about wow, I think almost fifteen years now. I didn't know it was that long. Yeah, it's been a while, and it started off on several different formats. Beautiful and, project. And, Beautiful project. And essentially, it's you know at first it just started out how great sports was for kids with special needs and it and let me tell you it's fantastic but it's kind of involved into the story of a little community of of parents and of athletes that have stuck together for all this this time and how we've found help and we found hope with mm. each other so inspiring you yeah. know and it really yeah. is it's some great stories there and you see you see all the families going through some stuff and talking real i mean when you have a special needs kid an autistic kid they have hormones. Like, what happens when they start, um, you know, mm-hmm. getting interested in in girls and mm-hmm. and and trying to find their boundaries and and what happens? How do you talk? How do you talk about sex to your autistic yeah. son who's yeah. who's a man but yet not a man? Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 I mean that in his cognitive skills and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's an amazing uh, documentary you're putting together there, Mike. Um, very special indeed. As we come towards the end of the show, I did want to ask you this, you know, um, where do you see technology taking us, you know, for the songwriter, for the musician, for the producer, for the creative person? We're in the digital re- uh, revolution. So you're, 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 you, you feel positivity about where we're going? I do, because I think, mm. for instance, electronic music, if Bach was around today, mm-hmm. he, you know, if Beethoven was here, he'd be the biggest... <laughs> biggest EDM guy out there because he would embrace technology. He would embrace fugues, EDM fugues. Yeah, he would because yeah. that's what they they were ahead of their times, man. Yeah. And they just it would sound like one of my favorite uh, electronic artists is uh, is BT. Mm-hmm. I just think he just does some really really musical, interesting. Just mm-hmm. he just really does some higher level stuff, and he studied it. You know Berkeley, and he, I, I think yeah, was, yeah, you know, yeah. and he and he just has some. He just has this really. Yeah, I remember you playing him to me. Intellectual early on. music yeah. that can sound. Yeah, it's so approachable. So yeah. like, I really like BT. So I just think that's that. That's that's not a bad trend. But having said all that, analog's huge. Like API, I have really good connections with API. They're selling tons of boards. Mm-hmm. They're selling like. And we're we're talking now on uh, microphones that are back from vintage days and going yeah. through analog. So equipment. analog yeah. is 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 analog is has learned how to work with digital, and mm-hmm. I think you need them both. It's not one or the yeah. other. You, yeah, you yeah. need them both. And and if you're only doing digital, if you don't try some analog gear somewhere in your chain, yep. you can always make it better. Analog is always going to make your stuff better. It yeah. is. It, I, I firmly believe that. And you take an EDM song and take break the stems out and run it through an analog board, you're going to get a better sound. Yeah, you know? yeah, Just yeah. because of the chaos. That's the thing about analog. Analog, you know, digital is well defined. Digital is it digital is so well defined that if you want chaos, you gotta program in chaos. Yes. A button that says, hey, chaos. Yes. But because it's so defined, but analog is 
analog is it's chaos. a creature that's always it, moving it, yeah, yeah you just never know what, what's going and happen. hey mike uh, uh, aren't you involved in something now that is really quite um epic isn't it uh, involving me is it something about about my sex life right <laughs> feature <laughs> length let's see how i can say it before spilling the beans but it's on yeah. it's actually a whole documentary on uh one of martin's actually martin's biggest hit ah you probably gave it all away there <laughs> Probably everybody knows what we're talking about now. And it's going to encompass yeah. uh, traveling mm-hmm. around the world, uh, getting talking to a lot of people, talking mm-hmm. to a lot of normal people. It's going to be really fun. I might even appear in it. It's going to be, be it's going to be really interesting. And yeah. and once it gets going down the road, um, you know, I'll, we'll talk about it more. But yeah, yeah. The the, the uh, all, all the stuff that's happening right now is just there's a lot of laughter. It's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of laughter if it involves my sex life, no doubt about that. Um, I just want to say, Mikey, thank you for being an owl head today. Um, it's made me uh, think about a lot of things as we've been talking. Uh, you know, it's a it's a blessing to have, I think, people in your life that uh, share your the creativity as well as being friends. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been very, very close all through this. I tell you, it's been such a lovely thing to have you through this whole show to take me back into our history. Because we do got when you said you were 30 years old when you met me, I was like, my God, this does not seem real. Um, but it's absolute joy, Mike, to have you here on Radio Owl's Nest. And um, I hope that you come back and do another episode if they allow me to keep on doing oh, this no, stuff i know i look i pagey boy it's it's been a great ride it yeah. really has and i i look forward to it and in, and we've been there for each other some dark dark times yeah. like yeah some of the darkest times and it's yeah. all it's always great to come back to creativity and to hear your music and your music's pulled me out of some really really funks oh. that i've been in and 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 i i can't I, you know, it, you've just been a really great friend, and it's been really Which fun. is the biggest thing. You've been the same to me, Mikey. And, uh, you know, I just want to say, um, check out everything that Mike is involved in. And I think we've mentioned uh, medals and uh, spaces and, of course, audio nowcast. Um, and where Mike can, as we say goodbye and fly off as owls here, where can people um, look for you and find all this stuff? Um, well, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm uh, Mike point. O, as in letter O. Um, that's my handle on Instagram. Um, you can look for me, uh, Audio Nowcast, on Facebook. And uh, YouTube, Audio Nowcast um, Spaces is on YouTube. And uh, and my podcast, which is the Audio Nowcast, you can find us on iTunes. Yeah. But last thing I want to say, Pagey Boy, is... Uh, you know, it's been a pleasure to be here, and I love this, and we'll do this again. Nice cup of tea, but wasn't it? it? I, make, yeah. I make good tea. But I just want to, I just once again, I just want to reiterate to the people that are out there that, you know, this, his musical journey, when, when this stuff comes out, it's just going to, it's going to be phenomenal. So just know that, you know, sometimes artists, as they, as they start writing and releasing more and more and more, it seems like, um, it, it gets thinner and thinner and thinner. The <laughs> substance is just not there. They're just doing stuff. But that's not the case with Martin. His his songwriting is actually getting better and better and deeper and deeper. And there's some stuff that I, it's just going to blow you away. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, thank you, Mikey. It must be the grapes. It must be the grapes I bought you. I'm going to fight you for those last two. I, it just <laughs> remains for me to say thank you to everybody out there for listening to uh, two very good friends uh, and hear all their war stories um, from me and Mike uh, thank you to the owl heads out there stay healthy stay happy look after all the animals have mindfulness and compassion in your heart and uh, once again to Mr. Mike Rodriguez thank you mate it's been my pleasure thank you for having me and I hope to see you all again very soon in the owl's nest